You are listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This is Episode 5, Season 1. I am your host, Russ Shaw. This episode is a carryover from last week titled Crutches. Punktheology.com is the website for this here podcast. You can connect with our new Facebook page, Twitter account, social media stuff is right there on punktheology.com, as well as links to listen to the podcast on any platform that's that's out there, Uh, the popular aggregates, uh, as it were. Also, could you leave a review of this podcast? A five-star review would be awesome uh, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, or wherever popular podcasts are heard. We would certainly appreciate that. This podcast is brought to you by listeners like yourself. And seriously, if you enjoy this kind of programming, leaving a review does uh, a lot for other listeners to be able to find this podcast. It would be incredibly helpful. And thank you guys for doing that. It's a kind of a non-financial thing that's a, a huge help. There's also a Patreon account if you'd like to donate to keep more episodes, keep this kind of programming, support the talk arts, right? The punk theologians are passing the offering plate in the form of uh, Patreon there. So there's a link there as well. Thank you so much for listeners who go that little extra to keep this show rolling. Thank you once again. Searchers, seekers, reconstructors, all the listeners to this crazy podcast. Going to take over where we left off from last week with some good Charlotte. So there's people that are questioning or doing this or deconstructing is kind of a thing now. And you shared something about a guy. I'm not sure. I forget the guy's name. It was a YouTube thing where the guy was talking. He said that people like us are either sad or mad. Correct. Right? You unpack that when you share. There's only two categories. It was really interesting. I'm glad you shared it because it 
It lit me up. <laughs> I, I, I gathered that by your response. I well, in in uh, deference to John's issues, um, I'm reading a book from a guy, uh. and he's the one that alerted me to this guy, and he says I have listened to this message on the broken Christians. Uh, and he says, I've listened to it 12 times. I've now listened to it three times. And the first, the second time I listened to it, I was in tears at the aspect of, he said, because we're mad or we're sad, because we're sad because what we've been following has not worked, or we're mad because what we've been following hasn't worked. It's whatever our, our heads are. Mm. And the law and the gospel, the gospel as he defines it in this, in this lecture, and it's a lecture, it's not a message. Mm-hmm. This dude is reading it, because I, I watched the video of it, he is reading it off pages. And he's a professor, he's a doctor at a, at a college, he's a Lutheran dude. But what he says was, we are almost, we've, we're fed this line that says, you come to Jesus, <coughs> And things will be well. And if they're not going well, then there's something you're not doing right. And that's the the the, the, the fork in the road, so to speak, where we come. We either go sad or we go mad. I went sad, and then I went mad. I went both. I mean, I went down one road, and then I'm going down the other road. Because I felt like what I was told wasn't working. And that was my deconstruction. What's his answer to that? His answer is gross, the gospel. And how he defines gospel is Jesus loves you. Okay, I can get over Regardless. That. I can get over He that. said, he, he uses analogy, he says a couple of mad Christians. Sam Kennison and George Carlin. George oh, wow. Carlin is a former Catholic. Sam Kennison yeah. was a... He like said, he, he saw an interview of Kennison's brother on 60 Minutes. Oh, man. And he, he was said, brother wrote a whole book about him. Oh, really? Yeah. Kennison's awesome. He said, "Oh, oh!" <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just had to Man, he just channeled the dude, right? Yeah, channeling a little kid. But he said, and his brother was saying, "Oh no, you don't believe Sam was a Christian? No, Sam will be in heaven. Mm. Absolutely. Sam wasn't mad at Jesus. He was mad at the fucking church because of what it had done and how it had misrepresented Jesus." Yeah. He said Carlin was the same way. Carlin grew up Catholic. He says, and he, and he goes on in this in this in this uh, uh, lecture. He says there are going to be people in heaven that we're going to be surprised. C.S. Lewis said that that we'll yeah. get to heaven and there'll be people. You're here. Yeah. There'll be people that simply believed in Jesus. I think you'll see Hindus, Buddhists, and yes. Muslims. Yes. And atheists. I didn't, but I do. Yeah. And you'll mm-hmm. see lesbians and you'll see gays. And you will see more. Whoa, whoa. He says, who didn't fully buy into the theology that the guys are preaching, but they believed in Jesus. Because we got to say, well, you can't believe in Jesus and be that. And I, I, was, I bought into that. My daughter and I, um, I just got back from Montana from helping my daughter move home from graduate, graduating from college. And, and we had this discussion. I said, so... How is your what is your view of Jesus? She's she she knows who I was, and she's still a little cautious. She goes, he loves me. I said, keep that, yeah. keep that. Don't go. Don't let any of this other shit interfere with that. Jesus loves you, and I don't really care what you do. What I care about is why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's what this guy goes on. And, and I said, there's one point near my eyes, just in tears because I had as I was listening to that that uh, video. Um, 
the aspect of growing up in the church. And if you don't, if this isn't working, then it's you're defective, or as I referred to last week, defective. defective. Yeah. Well, because God's not, perfect. They're not in yes. a relationship. Yes. So, and God can't make you. a mistake, so it has to be you. Or elect. So. That's a big one that Calvinists yeah. use. Yep. Cruel. I think even Driscoll called it cruel Calvinism, where the, the Calvinists who, you know, don't want to really understand other people's story uh, will go there. And then he kind of, like, the interesting thing about Driscoll is he kind of came. He went there. <laughs> he started here, and then he went sort of. De- he devolved into. I don't know. I don't know how Driscoll got in there, but the, it reminded me of some of the the de- de-evolution of Mars Hill, where it started. You know, very much about acceptance and love. I have a, a, a friend of mine, Randall. Uh, him and I had a, a conversation about this, and when he he was a gay man, so gay Christian man, started going to Mars Hill, and he asked uh, Pastor Mark because this is when the church was small, mm-hmm. and he asked Pastor Mark. He said, uh, "What are you doing about?" Because they were having a big rally, uh, Save Marriage Rally at the, the Safe, Safe Go Field, yeah. yeah, and they wanted a bunch of churches to show up, and we're all going to show up with our protest signs, and we're going to protect marriage, right? And Mark's response was. That wouldn't be very loving to the gay community. Like, why would we want to do that? I'm not doing that. And and that was something that Randall was like, oh, well, that's this is different, right? Mm-hmm. This guy believes a different kind of gospel. He also said, uh, and he told that story in the book Radical Reformation, where he went to um, some some like a gay rodeo, or something. a gay rodeo, like yeah, that. on Capitol like Hill, and he bought everyone a beer and he wrote it off as a ministry <laughs> expense. <laughs> and the church, which I thought it was great, um, but it went from that to you know him saying things about it's a sin and not a lifestyle and. Just his approach had changed. I think he would have said that back then. He just became more out with it, maybe. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes. He had to get himself uh, in the papers more. <laughs> he had to come down to Well, yeah, but it wasn't just the papers, like papers here, but in Texas. Like, right. He really liked that message down there. It's hard, too, because the, the loving somebody. So the gay couple comes into the church, and yeah, they're accepting because. We're supposed to accept everybody into the church, and at some point in time, you have to you know, yell at them and put them down. Like, no, you can't be gay. Yeah, it's a sin. Well, no, just continue to love them. Yeah, love them with who they are, and they, you know, deal with your shit first. And then when you're perfect, then you can. You know, <laughs> yeah, know that they're you know you're sinning. Unless you really need to stop smoking that cigar. <laughs> it's in, in your, you keep doing it because it's repetitive. See, you're not, it's uh what do they call that? Um, it's a reoccurring sin that you're just, you know, so you're, help me well. I know what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> He's lost the too. There's a word in Christendom. But I would always look at people and say, well, what about divorced people? Well, gay people can't serve in the church because they're committing a, 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 a practicing. That's what it is. You're, yeah, practicing, you're practicing sin. sin. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, well, did you read about what Jesus said about divorce? About how you're supposed to like leave your... Once you become born again, you leave the person you're with and you go back to the person you started with. Isn't that... That's in the Bible, right? So Jesus' view on divorce is pretty... <laughs> like that's what he would say too. Actually, more of and then there's this thing about movie. cutting your hand off. I mean, we could go literal. You want to go literal? Yeah, I'll go fucking literal. Look at somebody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get lost in your heart, yeah. right? <laughs> Which I thought was 
really cool because he's unpacking, like he's he's seeing the moral elites because they've got all these rules set up where we're doing this, we're doing the right thing. And then Jesus just raises the bar on that. Like, well, you think about murder? You said fuck you in traffic, dude? You you committed murder. It's the same sin. Oh, your so. kids lied to you? Well, go ahead and just you know, stone them. <laughs> You're going to be extremely literal about it. Yeah. yeah. Normally when... I'll maybe give it a listen with an open mind. Typically, things like that that I've encountered where a similar diagnosis is made where Christians or, or you know wounded Christians, whatever you want to call them, post-church people, whatever, so many labels, but you're either angry or you're sad. So, <clears throat> so be the thing that's lacking where you are and plug in. And it, the, some of the solutions always seem trite. Yeah. And... Mm. and uh, now, Arthur and I have some had some good conversations, and I, I mean, just the way my my brain works. Even sometimes the questions I'll ask myself is is uh, is it worth even salvaging or, or saving or keeping it together at all? I think different. You have to come to that conclusion yourself. There's what you're supposed to say, what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to believe, but then there's really the reality of oh, I'm just not there, just not there. Right. And I don't know if I can really blame anybody for coming to that conclusion at all. No, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Either. Yeah. He call he uses the term ex Christians, which in and of itself is Offensive. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean as I listened to it, I'm like, what? Yeah. But you still listen to it four times? <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's staying in the room with difference though. There's stuff to be mined there. Yeah. And I haven't listened to the it. whole thing, but I, I do want to finish it just because I want to find out where where he's going with it. <clears throat> I where I got really triggered was uh, uh, triggered. That's another thing I just popped in my mind. There's unpacking that where we should do some work on that word because that's sort of a kind of hipster word now. Everyone gets triggered. I think you get emotionally triggered towards anger. Some people get I'm annoyed, and some people are like that. Ah, would made me kind of sad, you know. But this pissed me off. <laughs> so my trigger that pissed me off was a lot of this kind of legal what, what I'll call legalistic grace and. John, I, I've been following more of Orthodox theology, where they unpack like it's the stuff. atonement. Oh yeah, isn't just this like legal thing. Like Jesus is a defense attorney that got you off and you got an acquittal, right? So it wasn't a like, transaction. What, yeah, yeah, it wasn't it's a, not, transaction. It's not a transaction. It's not legal. Yeah, it's there not are those legal. metaphors in the Bible. Yeah, but historically, I mean, you got to remember Christianity it was, it was, it was an Eastern religion. They're comfortable with mystery and metaphors. Yeah, what happened in the West, especially around you know the medieval period was just the need to define and take literal and just run with those. And the Bible says that when there are supposed to be images, icons, metaphors to help you get a certain place, but it was never meant to like just run with it. Yeah. So anyway, And there sorry. are people that will translate the Bible and take those words, that transaction, for mm -hmm. example, and, and treat them differently than other translations will be. So that's another, you know, one of those things where somebody's like, well, is this biblical? Well, according to who... Because that word transaction isn't in some de translations where it is in others. Well, in oh, I don't have a transaction with my kids. My kids come to me and there's something fucked up in their life and they're hurting. I'm not like, well, you got to pay, do something, you know, I don't know. Take out the garbage. There's a transaction that has to take place. There's something, like, that's so not relational. There's something to be said for paradigm shifts that if someone hasn't undergone one it's it's hard to explain it I, I literally remember being in a church uh one sunday morning and they sang in christ alone 
and I've been doing some reading and, and some exploring and some searching, and I, I literally remember the lyrics and me just like thinking to myself, like, I do not believe this at all. Uh, on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Like, I don't, I just don't believe it. I have that issue with because he lives. Oh. Uh, well, I can face tomorrow. Mm. You know, it's because he lives. Well, okay, so I'm struggling with tomorrow. Mm. So tonight I believe he lives. I'm struggling with today. Well, exactly. <laughs> right now, worry about tomorrow. Right. But when you're when you're sitting there and there's a song or a sermon or an idea, and it, maybe I'm supposed to believe it or by right. whatever construct you're buying into or, or interacting with, but the fact is, I just don't. I don't believe. You can tell me I'm supposed to. You can tell me I should. I don't. So I got to be true to that. On because I think we don't. Because that's not what we're supposed to do. Mm. And then we see it, I, well, I'll use the crutch word, because I think that there's some ways that can be <clears throat> satisfied or, or, or the, the, where the crutch exists. Like, okay, Jesus died for your sins, and now you feel better, but what does that really mean? Does that just give you an out, like an acquittal? Uh, or, or are you pursuing relationship in a healthy way in your life, right? Are you getting over yourself? Are you getting in touch with the deeper spirit of yourself? You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Arthur, I, w- I wanted to ask you because you seem to be squir- a little, like, feeling maybe I feel like you're out. So <laughs> Arthur's our resident atheist, professing atheist. And uh, where, where do you f- fit into this conversation? Because... I don't know. We're going to some weird places. You went Bible college, you know. You well, I guess in the context of this and how people react to to the church and and, and its answers, whether it's the answers in a song, uh, whether it's the idea that's not working, and whether the idea of faith is a crutch, even I, I think where it breaks down is that. The Bible does say a lot of things, so even when you set law aside, yeah. I, I grew up in a household where, you know, my mom liked to highlight the promises of God. Um, and then those came, became really hollow for me. And so I, I, I take my word very seriously. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of Christians have real straw man ideas about what life without God is like. Um, but for me, honesty is still incredibly important. And mm. that's because I think it's the basis for a relationship. I think trust is yeah. is everything and it's hard to earn and easy to lose. Yeah. And that happened in my relationship with faith. I, I'd say God, but I don't believe in him. So I didn't have a relationship with God. I had a relationship with faith. Mm. Uh, that, that's how I describe it now. At the time I describe it as with God. Um, and and that broke down. Those promises didn't didn't hold true, um, and that became a real big problem for me. And so it's not enough that you simplify as 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 the guy you're talking about, mm-hmm. who I don't even know who he is, um, the the Lutheran who's talking about going back to the gospel and Jesus loves you. I'm like, well, the Bible still has a lot to say about what comes along with that, and if if all that doesn't prove to be true, then why do I even believe that Jesus loves me? And, and, and then, or, or what does that mean and why doesn't the Bible talk about what that means in the, in the real struggle of life 
so I don't know. I think it ties in with um, with your idea on shame, though, because I think a lot of people go through feeling periods of hollowness in faith. They feel empty, and that brings a sense of shame because they look around and there's a bunch of other people who are feeling the same way but not acting like it. They're pretending. They got it all together. Um, and they're barely holding together. Mm. But but they can't handle your despair because they're on the edge already. And so when you do get together with with Christians, part of that realness that happens, whatever whatever extent real conversation happens, it usually doesn't enter into the realm of struggling with faith. I have witnessed that very, very rarely in Christian constructs because you can't go there. Right. You know, you can talk about you can talk about your sin, you can talk about mm-hmm. your Bible reading is being dry. You can talk about your prayer not being effective, but you can't actually say, "Man, I'm really questioning this." Yeah, and and if you do, you get really lame, trite answers, mostly because I think people are insecure with their own issues on that subject. Right, that's a good point. You can struggle with whatever X sin, but boy, you go there. Yeah. So how do you, how do you help those people though get there? You <coughs> fucking ask me. Get to <laughs> leave. <laughs> get where? Well, get to where they can talk about it. Oh. I, mean, it's, I struggle with my faith, and I know that other people inside the church struggle with their faith, and but they don't want to talk about it. How do you get to getting them? To What's open up? faith? I think that's my big. That's what I would do. What's faith? When I met John and Derek. I was at a place where, and, and leaving the, the, the AC3 church and getting into community groups, and my wife had quit another community group, and I, I probably should have spoke up when I didn't. That's a whole other story. But I went to your guys' community group, and I went in there, and I'm like, I don't, I don't give a fuck what these people think. And, and if they reject me, that's all the better. Because if they reject me, like I, so, going into Christian community after my, uh, I don't really like the word deconstruct so much. I love what Arthur said about faith because I think faith is this thing that grows. It's like you have a garden, and and here's here's a rose, and it's, it's and that rose is your Christian faith, right? Religious faith or whatever. The crutch that a lot of other people looking in, a lot of psychotherapists look in and go, oh. You know, you have this crutch, <laughs> whether it's addiction. I'm not just using religion. You can use addiction or whatever. But I think that people, you pull that up. And addicts, this happens with addicts too. You pull that out, there's a big fucking brown spot. What's going to grow back in the brown spot? What is it? Because faith is, faith is just, it's not just one thing. Christian faith is, is a label for something we put our faith in. Um, I like the analogy of the... I'm sorry. Would I, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think when it comes comes to crutches in faith, mm-hmm. I think maybe one way to define it would be you're using your faith as a crutch. It, lots of people have faith because it provides a means of escapism. It right. provides this rosy picture of the world that isn't really like that, but in order to get through to the next day, they have to believe that. Right. So until that fucker gets pulled up. Out right. Of so then they. <laughs> so then. So they use it as a crutch. By, uh, you know, they're choosing to believe in this escapism, but part of their brain is going, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true, and they just shut that off. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, no, 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 it, it is true, and that's when it becomes a crutch, and an unhealthy crutch, is them saying, uh, 
is them ignoring that part or ignoring you know it's so it's a direct it is exact that is your that is the answer to Chuck's question is how do you get to that point is you got to get to the point where you start listening to that voice yeah. that says this and just addressing it and it can take you a bunch of different places yeah. but it's terrifying for most people because because that's my escapism that's my that's how I get through the day is by lying to myself <clears throat> uh, and, it, and it can be faith it can be you know I mean people do it in a million different varieties it doesn't have to be religious or whatever um, you know this is my escapism this is how this is where I go uh, to lie to myself for a little bit to pretend that the world's okay, um, and and you know and you you know you see it in you go to Comic Con and the people <laughs> are full of like they can't handle the real world so they're just sucked into this escapism. Some of them so deep that they that they don't have in, any touch with reality anymore, yeah. and that's become a crutch for them. So I think that's kind of where the crutch thing comes and in. And there's just like blasphemy in that crowd too because if you look at one of them guys, you go, yeah, I think Superman's a pussy. Like, that'll light them up. <laughs> Freak out. There's, like, blogs written about, you know, my superhero is better than your superhero. And, and it's, you know, it's the same in Christian community. But So I heard a really cool analogy about faith. It reminded me of what Arthur brought up, which I thought is a, it's a little... So it's kind of a joke, but it's, it's good. I don't know if it's funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> so there's a guy who... Uh, the tightrope walker. I don't know if you guys heard this, this metaphor slash joke. Tightrope walker has a... Uh, he's a tightrope walker. He sends out a bunch of flyers. Hey, I'm going to walk across. You know, he's in some big city. He says, I'm going to walk from this building to that building. You know, across this tightrope. Invites a bunch of people. Free! Free show! So he does it. He walks across. And everybody's like, wow, that's amazing. This guy walked across this tightrope. And then he goes, not only that... I'm going to get a wheelbarrow, and I'm going to walk across it. And then he takes a wheelbarrow, and he walks across it with a wheelbarrow. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. And not only that, I'm going to take 200 pounds worth of seeds and shit and just, you know, weight, and I'm going to push it across a tie rope. And he's like, no way, that ain't going to work. And he does it. He pushes it across. And we're like, whoa, that's awesome. And he goes, do you think I could go back? with 200 pounds worth of stuff in my, my thing. Everybody's like, yeah, they're all cheering. And he's like, volunteers? Volunteers? You know? Nobody <laughs> raises yeah. their hand. Because, and that's how faith is. Like, we can talk, and there's a lot of Christians do that. My, Pastor Rick, my friend, he's, he came up with that analogy. He's the first one I heard it from anyway. But I thought that was powerful. Because there's in, in a lot of churches... We can talk about it all day long. We can talk about the guy at the tightrope and how he's got the strength to push that thing across the tightrope. But are we getting in the fucking bucket? Mm-hmm. No, we're not. That's what. That's the question that you're asking. How do we? How do we help, the, how do we help them get in the bucket? <laughs> exactly. How do I get in the bucket? Bucket half the time, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's why I I said that I think in the first episode or the second episode or whichever. You know, how do you get through the next 24 hours? I don't judge people for how they get through the next 24 hours anymore. But I know that when you're in relationship with people, it's it's good to be there when, I don't know, I'm just going metaphor all over the place, but to be there when their roses, their rosy roses yanked up out of the ground. So the metaphor I got stuck on was actually the metaphor of crutches, right? Like, crutches are just a tool, yeah. right? And for some people... For a period, they're really important. And actually, for some people, they have to have crutches for their entire life, and that's just the way it works. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, and you know, maybe that's okay for them. But the way that you get someone off of crutches 
is not by screaming at them, get off your fucking crutches, <laughs> yeah. or by ripping the crutches out of their hand. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the appropriate way is you go see a physical therapist, and they establish a relationship with you, and they take baby steps for, for a very, very long time, one-on-one with you, and and work with you to, to get to the point. And and it takes both people being invested. Somebody doesn't want to get on cr- off of crutches, they're not going to get off crutches. And physical therapists are trained to see that, and be like, oh, he's not ready. Yeah. Like, I guess I'll just, yeah, they have to make the decision, I guess I'll just keep billing him <laughs> and, <laughs> and well, soak that up or or I'm going to cut him off because he's just not ready. Right. The, ethical right. the ethical therapist. The ethical therapist would say, yeah. well, he's just, you know, he's, he doesn't want to change. It's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> like, you know, and, and, and that's not okay, but it's also okay. Yeah. Well, like, that's where the taking your metaphor into practice is you don't cut them off. You still keep the relation. Right, you come back when you're ready. Yeah, and it's, yeah. hey, how you doing? Yeah, okay, you're not ready yet. Okay, and yeah. then, then, you know, just keep coming back and coming back until they are ready. Yeah. I was in a recovery thing, well, uh, Thursday night, Grace Groups at Mars Hill, and there was a guy who, I think it was James Noriega, and Leo was in that group, and this guy kept coming in and kind of bitching about stuff a lot, and they, <laughs> so I think it was James that said, Maybe you got more drugs to do. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you here? And I used to think that was mean to a certain extent, but it was sort of like that. Like, his crutches were so... Like, he was just in a place where... He wasn't ready enough. He wasn't ready. He just wasn't ready. And he was like, if you're not ready, like you don't have to be here, dude. Like, we're talking about getting off our crutches. Which is why the idea of court-ordered addiction recovery is so hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're going right? to get better by having to be here. And now, for a brief intermission from the podcast. Did you ever feel as if you've been left out? Well, that's when it really hurts. When no one understands that you'd do a good job if you had a chance, that you'd make good. Sure. We're recording again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna ask John a question. We took a little break. We took a, we took a little break. A, little, a break from our sponsor. Hey, by the way, sponsors. We had a uh, a guy uh, named Car- Carlton. Squirrel, Squirrel right? <laughs> Carlton. Thank you for uh, donating to the. Uh, I- I- Patreon, Patreon account, $5 a month. Thank you, Carlton. Thank Carlton, you, Carlton. You're, you're rock and roll, man. We appreciate you. Uh, and if others want to, Patreon. <laughs> Patreon, yeah. Well, go to uh, punktheology.com, click on the Patreon link, and uh, it's right there. We'll get some microphones. You won't um, hear the, the clinking. The <laughs> <laughs> I like that, though. I like that, though. It's raw. My wife listened to, to, to one of... Actually, I think she probably listened to all of them, which is cute and funny. She's awesome. She supports me. But, like, uh, <laughs> but she's like, she's so funny, dude. She's like, so were some, were you guys, were some of the guys there smoking pot? I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, well, every so often I can hear the. <laughs> and she thought she thought it was like a like someone lighting a pipe, but it's just like a, a lighter for a cigar. But right. She would hear. 
And she's like, is someone lighting a pipe? And we're punk. Yeah, we're punk. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> you were going to ask me something? Yeah, I was okay. going to ask you something. So now everybody's like thinking, are they smoking pot? No. <laughs> no. We're smoking uh, No, but let me do this line right here. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong. Not smoking pot. Yeah, it's <laughs> legal. What it's, right line are you walking It's on? legal it is here. This is Washington State. This is Washington <laughs> State, baby. Um, I was going to ask, so on the topic of crutches, mm-hmm. like squirrel, I just went after that fucking squirrel, too. <laughs> Um, but no, I think it's important that Carlton gave five dollars a month. Like that Thanks, fucking guy is. A- That's important. It is. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Thank you. Otherwise, you're an asshole. You know, it's cool. Very cool. Um, speaking of crutches, John is in the business of helping people get a job who've been on some kind of uh, rehabilitation from you know whether they've been on unemployment for a long period of time. Uh, workman's comp. Workman's comp. Yeah, work in the yeah. workman's comp world. For industrial and that's got to be frustrating for the the people with crutches, right? Because they're not ready to get out. They're not ready to go back to work yet. It's hard. I mean, I don't know. I work in the world of what we call. There's a psychological term for it called secondary gains. You know, if someone sustains an industrial injury, they get time loss money, time loss compensation for not working for their industrial injury, and sometimes they can do all right. I mean, pretty close to. You know, five grand a month, tax free. So tax free, if they're you know on the higher end of it, you know that's not a lot of incentive for a lot of people to get back to work. So sometimes they don't have a lot of incentive to uh, quote get off the crutches. So I can work in that realm a little bit. Right. Interesting. So what is? Have you seen anything in like someone's eyes or something that they're really ready to get back to work? And is there some kind of a I don't know. Something that you appreciate in people who get off the crutches as far as, as a, a, you know. There's a spectrum. You know, people run the gamut. But I, I've seen that. Sometimes it's frustrating. Like a guy you respect. Like, this guy's solid because he's ready to fucking get back to work and Simpl- stop sucking my... Hey, I pay taxes. <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Sometimes Sorry. I just went conservative there quick, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's actually heartbreaking. Ready to build a wall. Because, um, be, because, you know, a lot of people will start in a trade or a physically demanding job that will pay very well, especially like if you're in a labor union or a trade. And the people don't think long term. They don't think, oh, I'm going to be 50 one day and my back's going to hurt. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you're used to making, you know, 30, 40 bucks an hour in your back's toast and you have a mortgage and a car payment and maybe you dropped out of school. Maybe you have a felony. I, I don't know. And then it's when your livelihood becomes your body uh-huh. and your body breaks down. That's frustrating for, for people to have that that thing where they sincerely want to, but uh-huh. their body won't do it. Their mm. body's just broken. Uh, and I encountered that a lot. That's that. I work in that realm a lot. That's right. really tough. It's Interesting. It's really hard. Yeah. So yeah, people want to get off the crutches, as it were, to use the, the metaphor, but their body won't let them. Wow. So sometimes that happens too. That's the other side to that. Yeah, yeah it's hard. Just finding that space to come between the two, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's challenging people to think differently. You know, okay, so it, it, it the reality is you're not going to get off the crutches, but you need to do something. Right. So what are you going to do? 
and I'll help people get benefits for um, for retraining if, if that's eligible for them. And that can be shifting gears. You know, maybe you have a mechanical aptitude, but you can't bend over a car or you can't stick weld or, you know, reach overhead or lift 50 pounds over your head or something. So, well, what if you took that aptitude and applied it on a computer screen? You know, like maybe yeah. you did some drafting or something. But that's a hard shift for people to make because oh, I'm an outdoor person. I want to be outside and yeah. I want to use my body. But, but you can yeah. So that, that's really hard. Yeah. That happens though. Just think about that. It's like sometimes it's shifting gears, and sometimes it's coming to the real the reality that you can't do what you were doing. So yeah. what are you going to do? And that can apply, of course, to the faith conversation if we're using that as an analogy. Yeah, you can't do true. what you were doing. What are you going to do? It's a good thing we'll have robots to do all the work. Same. Automation, <laughs> baby. I know. I'm waiting. I worked with this guy. <clears throat> he was an interesting fellow. He. He believed that if in his lifetime that you were just going to own robots, <laughs> the, that your knowledge was useless, that as long as you had robots, you could just plug in to your brain, think, and all these robots would do stuff. And I'm thinking, like, that would be really cool. <laughs> that would be cool. And dangerous. <laughs> but really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> It'd be like robot football teams. That's what I would think. Unfortunately, the reality will be more like <laughs> the billion-dollar corporations yeah. will own all the robots, and yeah. you won't. Ten thousand people will own the robots, <laughs> and everybody else will be expendable. Yeah, there's a lot of the AI and the conversations about that. I'm a full-time cyber taxi driver, right? I drive Uber and Lyft all day, and. The, and there's people saying in 10 years, that won't be a job. There'll be machines that'll do that. The last 10, you're lucky. No. The last 10, <laughs> that's right. It's interesting, though. <coughs> interesting time to be alive. But then we get into the faith part of that, because there's people that say, well, the more, the fo- the more you follow Jesus, the, the better you are. Like, you'll just be better. And it, you look at people that get old. I, once you get, you start to break down, your body breaks down. Do I mean, we can we kind of start as children? And then just seeing my mom before my mom passed away, she was like a little, little child, you know? And we were back in diapers. And you know, do we really get better? Like, you stop, you start in diapers, and then you end, like, in fucking diapers, right? I don't know. Is that progress? I don't know. I'm I think to grow in love and relationships. And, like, when my friend Leo died, all the people that showed up at his funeral, I think that's maybe a win, that you touched other people's I, lives. So, so Leo's, for whatever reason, who I just loved, has come yeah. up in this conversation several times. And I was thinking about him, and I, I, I grieved his death, and I, I had tremendous affection <clears throat> for him. And, you know, one thing that can get me a little bit sometimes is this, it, it's largely a Christian idea, I think it's largely an evangelical. I, I don't know. I, I've heard it in a lot of Christian circles. But it's sort of this idea that you don't matter and what you want doesn't matter. And as much as I loved Leo, like I sincerely loved him and was shaped by him, he had a habit, as I think you know, of, of I think in a loving spirit of trying to maybe challenge you, would say, oh, it's about you again. <laughs> Right. And, and I remember one time I got to that place like, you know what, Leo, it is a little bit. What if it is about me? Then why is that bad? But it's kind of that 
sort of denial of of self or or agency or autonomy because i think the way that gets used sometimes is oh it's about you so what you you think you're important you think what you want is important and that in my experience has been used by you know a narcissistic pastor uh driving an agenda to get you to give your money and your time to be quote selfless for their engine their dream their vision right well it's like my kids ideology my son is playing with something that my daughter wants to play with my daughter says he's not sharing (laughs) right like it's the same idea like you're not you're why you know i want i'm calling you out for not looking out for my interests Mm, yeah 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 that yeah When it's really about building relationships. That's where I'm getting into. So last night, uh, going into that, Leo kind of came up in in my thoughts there because he he would be he would be a guy who would like that's not about systems and institutions for a guy like Leo. No, agreed. Um, And when he would when his faith came up against a relationship with someone he cared about, the relationship was king. The relationship would rule. Like he would love people like that. But he would always risk relationship though too, for the sake of I don't know pushing buttons or correction. Yeah, well I do that. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I said motherfucker like three times already, and there's people having issues with that. (laughs) Is there like there should be a little ding that goes off every time someone says motherfucker? I'm not. I'm, not you, you, you don't, but there's words, something to that. I want to clarify, though. Word. Like, don't, don't misunderstand <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not advocating for like, you know, just live unto yourself and, and, and be selfish and just have your own self interest yeah, in yeah, mind. Yeah, I get that. But, but I think there's a healthy way to have agency to look out for yourself, your yeah, interests, your desires. Spirit versus the ego, right? I just think that ego selfishness it's like, is like, oh, so so you think you matter, so it's about you. It's it, it, yeah. there, there's just a healthy way to like. Sometimes it is, and sometimes Christians that's okay. don't like the word consciousness. I think we get into the word consciousness because that's well, that's kind of Eastern, mm-hmm. but it's true. There's a consciousness um, conversation here when it comes to the ego versus the spirit. Mm-hmm. If you're being selfish because your spirit needs to get right or fed or incubate that's healthy if you're selfish because your ego wants to shout and yell and be you know hey i'm important you know mm-hmm. like that's fucked up right especially when other people are are the cost of their weight into that well and i've said before that i have some semblance of faith because i just do Sometimes I wish I didn't. Sometimes I wish I, I do have my days, but but I do have some of someone's of faith, and me um, having that is being true to myself. Like in order for me, I, I need to. Part of being true to myself is having faith because I do, right. and that's just it. And just that's just it. Just that's you. Just be true to it. Just live it, and it's okay. Yeah, I think more of us are at that point where I wish I didn't. But well, that's a, this is that's an interesting place. To go. <laughs> yeah, before I stop, this is this is getting dangerous. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting risky. Welcome to punk theology. I grew up. In go a, ahead, Steve. Oh, go, ahead. go on. I grew up in a pretty uh, conservative faith construct that really emphasized selflessness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to the detriment of one's own personal so, mental so, well-being. Yeah. Um, 
and, and, I, and I've seen that work out in a lot of ways where there's kind of this idea that you just need to be selfless with abandon and believe that Jesus will be there to pick up the slack. Mm. Like it's, it's all for him. It's all for his work. And then you can, you can rely on, on your faith to uh, protect you. And I've seen a lot of people go unprotected. I've seen a lot of people be really damaged. Yeah. Um, because they don't have appropriate boundaries right. in relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also don't get their uh, emotional and psychological needs met. Uh, they they extend far beyond their capacity and and end up being traumatized because of that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. And and usually the response to that ends up being some form of of bitterness uh, that's that's really awful to kind of see on the flip side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a, a really interesting question to pose to Christians is is. Where does that kind of idea in psychology today that you have uh, something to protect mm-hmm. who you are um, and the idea of healthy boundaries and how does that interact with uh, <clears throat> kind of this ever-flowing idea of God's grace that should just flow through you and <laughs> be a light to the world and, you know, all those metaphors. Um, yeah, I've, I've just seen a lot of people take, take a lot of hard hits. It it comes from that ideal extremism of the you know put your money where your mouth is type of thing. Just throw yourself out there and God will catch you. God says test me, which is a wonderful idea if you're not the person doing it, um, and, or it's a wonderful idea if it works, right? Like yeah. like some Until people it doesn't. right, or some people. I mean, they do it and it just works, right? It just happens to work. Either it just happens to work out, or there is a provision. Uh, you know, providence there, whatever you want to see. Uh, and then those are the ones that are get held up by examples. But we never hear from the people that did it and got absolutely destroyed. Yeah. It's like and, the end of the craps table. Or, and, or it's like, you know, all the, the stories... The never rolled snake eyes. Yeah. <laughs> right, all the stories about missionaries, right? There's these long stories about these missionaries that really put on the line and God came through them over and over and over again. We don't hear all the stories about the people that went were there for six months and died horribly. And there's way more of those than there are stories of God miraculously. Or the, or the ones that come back and molest children. I, That's the worst. No, you're right. Yeah. That's uh, the worst. Or, or just become whatever form of broken for the rest of their life. Because there's a lot less extremes than, oh, they went and became a martyr. Right. You know, because yeah. e- even the people who believe in that think, well, they went and died for Jesus and the people that followed up come and... Because they, they have stories about that. Like, oh, this person died for Jesus and then their son came and... Preach to that tribe, and then they all accepted Christ. Yeah, I've heard this. Too. But then there's the, the the flip side where you've got the the broken people who are struggling through life in America after they put it all on the line in Africa and yeah. have nothing left. It's like left. big business institutional religion um, markets itself much like a casino. So we have casinos in our state, and if you watch TV... The, the the thing comes on and there's someone winning and they're like that's what they show right like that's the person they show mm-hmm. in the commercial for mm-hmm. the Tulalip Casino or whatever Muckleshoot right come to Muckleshoot where winners play <laughs> you can almost put that on <clears throat> on a lot of and I think the more honest thing is to get into churches who are on, there was a guy uh, at, at my church not to that my church is great or anything but it, it's like there was an agnostic guy that got up 
And they put him on stage, and he just said, yeah, I don't know if I believe all this stuff, but there's something about the people here, and this feels like family, and that's why I come. That's cool. And, they, and that was good enough. And they actually put that guy on stage. Like, most churches would never do that because we want to show the winners, and we want to show the guy who's transformed. And I, I clarify, I don't. I think there's something to be said for self-sacrifice, for altruism, for uh, taking up your cross, I just don't know if it should be, like, how that should be dictated to a person. You don't know that it should be an idealistic extreme. Right. Where everybody it, should do it different. this way. Yeah. And and I promise it'll work out. And, yeah. Or, 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 or so uh, our church's vision is to do X, and we're going to need you to volunteer right. and give your money to it. It's like, well, That's very convenient maybe, for you. Yeah, maybe. I have that vision that involves me. It involves me, my money, my time. But I don't know. Maybe, but... What if my cross is different? What if my burden's different? And having the freedom and the autonomy to to have that, you know, yeah. to, and, and to voice that and to explore that—that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so. that's interesting. Yeah, churches also are weird about other ministries coming in because we have our thing, and you want to come in and tell, talk about your thing. We're not. We don't know if we're comfortable with your thing. You Protestants, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> There's a perfect example of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can we from now on pronounce that word differently and just call it protestants? Protestants. 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 With your non disclosure agreements and <laughs> It's like the entire identity still to this day exists that we're still angry and we're still gonna be spending all our time telling you why we're right because we're protesting. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm obviously being silly. I mean, I'm an American. I most of my life was in Protestant evangelical circles, so it's in my DNA. Like I yeah. can't, I can't erase it from my hard drive if I wanted to. <laughs> Which maybe goes to that. Like some days, I wish I didn't believe because mm-hmm. it, it, there's so much crap intertwined with it that it's hard to separate it out and segregate and try to be healthy. Uh, but but yeah, once once it's just in you, it's just in your blood, and it, it's kind of sucks. I don't know if it ever goes away. Well, I just have a heart for those. I can you couldn't even just uh, pigeonhole it into the dudes, but the people who will have that fear or that thought, but they're going to disavow that thought. I can't believe that because if I'm a Christian, I don't believe that. And my heart is for those guys that realize no, we'll have you have that. Well, and we tickled on that a little bit. Uh, maybe that's a topic for another day. But those listening, is that I want them to realize that, hey, you're not Abby Normal, as they referred to in Young Frankenstein with Gene Wilder. You know, you're normal. You're just like the rest of us. We all have our doubts. We all have our fears. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's the thing that that dude is. I've got now that dude that's uh, the gospel for... Uh, those broken by the church is the title. You can find it on YouTube. Put a link in the show notes. No, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Well, yeah, I, I don't know about other people's ministries coming into our space. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing our thing. You We're doing do our thing. thing. That's right. You can't bring. <laughs> no, I don't know. I um, just want people to understand, and that's what I keep telling my kids: is your doubts, your fears, your frustrations. They're not. You're not abnormal. You're normal, and I'd be yeah. more concerned if you didn't have those fears. Well, I think that people of faith sometimes can have can sort of approach it with a certain level of insecurity or fragility. Like faith is something that's really fragile. Oh, you know, if I 
If, if I listen yeah. to this or entertain that, I'll, I'll have doubts or I'll lose my faith. It's like, if you don't come to church, that's dangerous. Yeah. Or, or if it becomes a habit or, or yeah. you don't read that book, don't listen. It's like, I, I mean, I, I guess I want to be somewhat careful, but I, I don't know. Just part, part of my brain goes, or just ask the question, like, why are you so insecure? Yeah, because that's about relationship. Insecurities occur in relationship. And again, we get back to the faith topic that Arthur brought up and where faith really lives is in relationship. And if we're following love, if God is love, that's my important, you know, if God is love, like the Bible says God is love. If there's only time it says that what God is. Yeah. When, when it says who God is, God says, I am. That's just it. I am. Like, there's not a lot of. There's people that have written fucking books on all, all of that stuff. But I wanted to quote, maybe go back to the guy that we started with tonight, uh, wrote these words, uh, Chris Cornell, in a, a song. Nail in my head from my creator. You gave me life, now show me how to live. Um, and in the aftermath, after birth, on a quiet earth, let the stains remind you. You thought you made a man. You better think again before my role defines you. Nail in my head from my creator. You gave me life. Now show me how to live. Mm. I think the world is going to hand us crutches continually. And love is something that we have to keep asking ourselves: is that is that love is there going to love in the relationship is time going to produce a that fucking brown spot that got you know exposed when that thing got pulled out of the ground is love going to grow there because the world's going to keep handing us crutches and i guess we have a choice to use that word to pick up those crutches and walk or just throw them down depending on where you're at. So I kind of wanted to close the show on, on that, if that's weird. Did I make it weird? No, man. Nope. That was great. Uh, I think it's just always weird. <laughs> so it's okay. It's normal to be weird. All right. <laughs> Thanks for praying us out again, buddy. <laughs> Chris Cornell did. Chris Cornell did, yeah. Rest <laughs> in peace. Thanks again for listening to Punk Theology all the way to the end. Punktheology.com. Hey, if you like this show this much, to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Tell somebody on social media. Why not? Uh, check out our Facebook page and like us. We're really insecure. <laughs> that would be great for our self-esteem. Till next time. Later. Music credits for this show. 90-pound wuss, something must break. You heard Good Charlotte's Hold On and Gelato Hook with Shrinky Dinks. Thanks to all of them. There's also a Spotify playlist that's only got three or four songs on it, but as the show grows and progresses, we're looking forward to having more what's called promo bumpers in the talk radio world uh, and having those links to the Spotify account there. Also, if you follow bands on Spotify, you will get information on their touring dates when they come to your city. Spotify is a great resource for getting you connected information-wise with some of these bands. And yes, you could say our playlist as of now is a bit puny, but 
if you could just listen to that over and over again or just let it play all night long some of those bands might make a little money <laughs> so check it out on spotify punk theology playlist bye